Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place for all things public information related for police, fire, EMS, and local government. An open forum to learn, grow, and develop your public information skills. Your host, Robert Tornabeni, is a public information officer with over 10 years in the field and 27 years of law enforcement background. In each episode, we will explore different aspects of the public information officer profession. Weekly, we will delve into the field of public information by talking to other PIOs. So sit back and enjoy this episode. So 20 with Nellie Miles. Can't believe we already hit 20 episodes already. Enjoy. Good afternoon. Today on the podcast, we have Nellie Miles. She's a public affairs director from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Nellie, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Robert. Glad to be here. How did it come about that you got the position as the director of public affairs? Well, it was an interesting uh, path there that I took. I actually started at the GBI in forensics. I was a forensic drug chemist for a number of years, testing drug cases because my degree is in chemistry. I was pre-med a long time ago, and I and I thought I wanted to be a doctor, and I, I took a turn in, in my career and started with the GBI, and I ended up managing the forensic chemistry unit for the state and worked in forensic chemistry for 16 years. And towards the end of that career, we would get a lot of media inquiries about these changing drug trends and the media wanted, you know, they wanted information. They wanted folks to go on camera and you know, the public affairs folks folks like, well, what about her? I mean, she seems like she can communicate. And I did an interview or two and I'd go under the gold dome and testify about the drug trends because that was part of the public affairs work. And I don't know. It was just something about it. it. It really clicked. It was really, it was just interesting to me. And so I sort of planted seeds with, you mm-hmm. know, certain people in the agency. And I just kind of put it out there for a few years that, you know, hey, if you ever have, you know, a spot for maybe like an understudy in public affairs, because I wanted to frame it like, I'm not saying I'm trying to ditch the crime lab. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe at an additional responsibility, I can help out. And, you know, it just parlayed its way into a full-time career. So no like uh, news media background or anything like that. It was all chemistry and forensic end of it. It was all science. Wow. I was, I was a pre, I was pre-med. So I, my degree is in chemistry and I fulfilled my pre-med requirements and I was applying to med school. And I just kind of, I just kind of decided to take a turn. I'm first generation. My parents are from Nigeria. If you know anything about West African um, parents, you pretty much have three options, doctor, lawyer, teacher. So I just picked doctor and I went on that path. And then after how many years I was like, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to do this. Is there something else I can do with this chemistry degree? Because I worked really hard to obtain this degree and I wanted to use it. Even if it was for two minutes, I was going to use the degree. So well, that's definitely a nonlinear way of getting there. I mean, that's that's <laughs> certainly not the norm, but you you do a very good job and and you're always active out there. And I really wish this year I could get to to the uh, PIO mid year conference. I can't make it this year because of this injury, and I'm not going to probably mm-hmm. make the NAO conference either because of this because I'd be like all summer. But it is what it is. So, how many people work out of your office? Well, including me, there are two of us. Oh, wow. So we do not, yeah, we don't have a a very large unit. So we certainly, but we certainly have enough work for more than two so people. So for, for sure. the entire state of Georgia, there's only two of you. There's only wow. two of us. It, it's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite the low, but it's such 
I mean, it's such fascinating work, obviously, representing an agency that's so multifaceted, you know, not just the investigative division, but when you include the, the crime lab and our crime information center, it is just, it's just so interesting. So it's almost like it's, it's almost worth it that, you know, you're, you know, all of these hours that you're putting in because you're just, there's so much value that you're, you're getting back for what you're wow, giving. Wow, that's amazing. And on top of that, you are, I, I also noticed that you're the Southeast Vice Chair for the IACP's PIO section, correct? That's right. So, that's right. That was just amazing. So let's talk about how this additional role means, what it means to you, and what does it mean to the PIOs in the, in the Southeast there? Well, you know, when I was talking about the transition, you know, not having any communications background. When I started in public affairs six years ago, one of the things that I just undervalued was training. I just I just didn't know. I mean, you know, in, in the crime lab, there's, you know, very strict policies and procedures and you have to complete a training program before you can even open up, um, you know, a piece of evidence. And, you know, in, in the PIO, PIO world, it, it was a little bit different. And so, you know, most of what I did in the beginning was just like, you know, kind of trial by fire, on the job training, okay, what worked, but we had incidents that would be in the media for maybe a day or two, especially because being a state level criminal investigative agency, we do respond to a lot of officer involved shootings and we're responsible for getting that information out. But you know, I could, I felt like I could contain that. And so in 2018, I joined the PIO section. I'd already created with the IACP and then I was exposed to all of these, you know, this whole network of people who, you know, had all of these different, you know, pra- right. best practices and just, just had so much knowledge, you know, Chris Cook, Katie Nelson, Chris Young, Genevieve Judge, they, I saw these presentations and I was just opened up to this whole new world. And so I started, you know, getting this training, getting this network. And um, in, la- in 2020, Katie Nelson reached out to me when she was running and, and said, hey, would you consider um, being a vice chair? And I'll be honest, Robert, I was just thinking, I mean, I have three small children and the GBI is enough. And I just was like, nah, I mean, I, I love you, but I can't, I can't, I can't help you out. I didn't want, I just wasn't ready for any leadership roles. I said, maybe down the road, but it's Katie Nelson. And I mean, she was just hard to say no to. So I was like, okay, you know what? I think that we did a lot in 2020 as an agency. And I think that the IACP PIO section has given me a lot. So maybe I can return the favor awesome. now. Awesome. Let's talk about some of the incidents that the GBI has ended up handling and, and how you got involved. And you don't need to go in great detail, but what kind of things did you guys have to deal with? Well, you know, what, what we saw in 2020 was obviously being in the middle of a pandemic, um, uh, coupled with the civil unrest after the uh, the murder of George Floyd, that a lot of uh, we had a lot of you know a lot of attention on you know what what police agencies were doing, and we just got ourselves in the middle of a couple cases that were connected to viral videos, and the first one being um, yeah. the Ahmad Arbery murder investigation, and then there was an officer involved shooting. Um, Ray Shard Brooks. And then towards the end of the year, we were embedded in having to assist with the presidential election in doing um, counting absentee ballots and doing an audit of votes. And so it was just, it was a very wild year. And as far as public affairs was concerned, um, I don't think it comes as a surprise. Everybody wanted to know what was happening. And so 
we were having this 24-7 monitoring social media. We were holding press conferences and streaming them. We were responding to like just even non-media, just, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of inquiries from the public about, you know, what we were doing and, and filing complaints and um, numerous press conferences and daily messaging uh, on our social media platforms, utilizing all of them, you know, and then some. So it was it was quite it was quite heavy just making sure that we once we did become involved, especially in, in the Ahmaud Arbery case, because it did you know take some days before our agency became involved, that we weren't silent, that we were constantly feeding the public with information. In almost all of those cases, you had not only did you have local attention, you had national and international attention. I mean, the Ahmad the Ahmad Arbery case, it kind of blew up as it as it moved forward and it really gra- grabbed a lot of an international attention. And, um, you know, then we go to that presidential election and how, how that even be made it more confusing. And then you have to be able to do your messaging at the same time. So what, what, what happened like with, did you guys get hit with trolls or anything like that along some of these incidents that you were having or, or bots that were, we're hitting you guys, your, your networks, like the social media sites, things like that? We had a lot of trolls, a, a lot of trolls. And I mean, just the, just the flood of inquiries and comments that came in. I mean, it was nonstop from, I would say, um, the Ahmad Arbery to the presidential election. Now, with the Ahmad Arbery case, just because of where a lot of people, you know, what their position was on that case, it, it was more, I think, people were consistently just kind of fired up about the fact that it took a certain amount of time before, you know, arrests actually right. happened. But when it came to, I would say, trolls, we probably had the worst with presidential election. Um, it was just, it was just insane. So it was just one of those things that it's depressing to, you know, constantly doom scroll, but it was so important that we stayed on it. And I mean, it was just constant monitoring. I know it's, it's just two of us, but we, we just, we just, we did not sleep during that time. It's just one of those things where we just said, you know, let's just, let's just make it through 2020. We were just going all in. Eventually this has to pass. And so, yeah, we were, we were on that. We were on all our accounts, responding to messages. There were a lot of things that we would have to correct. Lots of misinformation, um, always issuing statements, making sure that we communicated with our partners. So it was um, it was very intense, but I think the key is I know it sounds bad when I say just two people, you know, for the entire state. I mean that certainly is rough, but I think that what makes us really successful is that we really leverage our you know our command staff um, when it comes to you know kind of creating like a, a bit of a think tank. Hey, you know, the top of the day, it's like okay, this is the major what this is the major um, you know issue for the day regarding this incident. Uh, this is our plan. And, you know, literally at the top of the day, it wasn't a, hmm, do you think we should put a statement out today? No, we, we, we get up every day knowing you cannot stay quiet, especially when you're dealing with something like a viral video, which we had a couple of. I mean, I think people, you know, some agencies think that because it's, you know, it's an open investigation or it's active that, you know, they can probably say one, one, put out one statement and then that's it. And they just go silent. But, I, every single day we were just like, OK, what can we say today? Because, you know, the folks need to know that it, it's, it's it's important to us, that we're engaged, that we, you know, we we're listening to them, that we care. And so it, it was it was something every day. It was 
I mean, even if it was, you know, just a, a plea to be patient while we're working on some things and appealing to, you know, their emotions and, you know, talking about what we're the justice we're trying to deliver um, to the family, because, you know, there was one, I remember one post that stood out where we said that this incident didn't just leave one victim. It, it left, you know, uh, you know, the, the family um, as well as victims. And so we're, you know, playing for patients and this is what we're working on, although we don't have an update, but we can tell you this is where we're at. And so I think that that is something that we miss because you, you see all these messages and you want to just cave because you feel overwhelmed, but you got to push through and just say, you know what, we're still going to give them something. Hey, there's this, we had a situation, Robert, where there was a note that was circul- circulating. A reporter found a note at near the scene in, in South Georgia. And I don't know if you remember this, but TMZ, oh. they got a hold oh, of yes, the note. Of course, TMZ got a of hold course. of it. Yeah. And we, we addressed it. You know, it's like, Hey, we've, I mean, we were aware of this note. That's the first thing we're, we're working through it. We actually found the person. We, we ran the person down that left the note and we were able to just, you know, go ahead and, and squash the rumor that somehow the, whoever is connected to the actual, um, you know, the death is the one that, you know, left the note. So there are so many instances like that. It's important that you're aggressively going at these messages uh, on a daily basis, because in the absence of uh, a credible source, such as a GBI public affairs director coming forward with messaging, the only other voice is going to be the people that are out in the public, the trolls and the people that are putting disinformation. So by you being forward and being out there every day, you're, you're the source of information and, and you're protecting the investigation and the integrity of, of the organizations that you represent. That's, I mean, that's 100%, Robert, because I will say this also, one of the things that I have noticed is that um, in dealing with it, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's the media, the media is doing this and that. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, sure, they have a job to do as well. But for us, I mean, it, we don't, I mean, it's not for us, the, the media is based, they, they report based on what comes in as that, you know, important or, 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 or critical and we provide them the information and if we give them information, they'll use it. But it's really the social media that, that spins out of control. And sometimes I see, you know, agencies, they may address the mainstream media, but then they let the social media narr- narrative just take its own course. Right. They just don't say anything. And these are agencies that have really strong, you know, kind of standings. You know, they have strong accounts with tons of followers. So you don't go in there and say, oh, it's just that they hadn't posted in a year. No, they just posted. And so the next time they try to tweet about some sort of traffic incident, people are like, but you never addressed the, <laughs> the big, you know, elephant in the room. So. Very important. That's an excellent reminder, Nellie. Thank you for bringing that back up about them being, you can't forget either one. You've got to be able to do both, you know, the, the, the mainstream media your social media, and you've got to also be able to attack those posts that come forward, what's good, bad, or ugly. That's right. So you have your your group, your the Public Affairs Office has that dual role of being a legislative representative for the GBI. That's kind of a different thing for public information. What's it, What does being a legislative representative entail? Let's take a quick break. 
Ever wonder what it's like to mix business with pleasure? Then welcome to Happy Hour Holidays, where every episode is a celebration of stories, insights, and laughter. Join us, Sean and Manny Fabre, as we chat with fascinating guests from all walks of life, sharing their stories, uncovering secrets to success, and of course, enjoying a good laugh over a drink or two. So if you love engaging stories and a touch of humor, hit subscribe and dive into Happy Hour Holidays. Your adventure starts now. Yeah, that is different. I, I, you know, I look around at counterparts in in my state in Georgia and even around the nation, and I, and I, there are probably not that many that are as active out there that have that dual role. But you know, it's very equivalent to what a lobbyist would be. Even though I, you know, I don't call myself a lobbyist, I call myself a legislative liaison. But it's really similar. It's because I'm representing the agency under the Gold Dome during our state legislature, and so just like other in other groups that have laws that they try to get passed, we have agency legislation and their their GBI bills. And, you know, I work with our state senators and our state representatives to try to get those through. Um, I, I literally have to form the same types of, you know, those relationships that we talk about, forming those relationships with the media and your other PIOs. And I have this other layer of forming these relationships with our legislators and other legislative liaisons and lobbyists, because, um, you know, essentially we have agency bills that are going to help the GBI that we want to want to get through. So we'll find sponsors, we'll testify in in committee meetings. And because we are under the executive branch of government, we want to make sure that, of course, we get we get the what we want to if you want to change a law. I mean, somebody probably has to approve it. So we want to make sure that um, it's in line with the governor's office um, mission. But yeah, it's very, very fascinating. It's a whole different world. But you know, sometimes uh, there's some a little bit of alignment. For instance, if you think about the Ahmad Arbery case, well, even though we were involved in that case, obviously investigating it, but then shortly after that, because of that investigation, is how we have now a hate crime statute in our state. Ah. And so, um, so you know, sometimes I see I see how things that we're I deal with on the media side does cross over to the legislative legislative side, and then the legislative side becomes. I would say uh, newsworthy, but the the biggest thing that you know you kind of have to you know keep in mind for me is just that it's it's two different hats. You know you cannot allow whatever's going on on the legislative side because of course people are thinking oh that's the political end, but you you got to have you got to be a person that can absolutely go into it saying none of that I can't let any of that affect the the best decision that needs to be made to get information out to the public and working with the media. So, wow. um, you know, luckily I've, I've, I've been able to do that, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it's wild. I'm, I'm glad I have my surface pro to kind of carry around under the gold zone. So people are like when something breaks out, I'm like, I just tell the reporter, meet me at the Capitol. I'll do the interview <laughs> here or run the scene. I come back to the Capitol, and, you know, turn, put that hat back on. So yeah, it, it's crazy times, but I, I do enjoy it. Wow. That's, that's a lot of, that's two different worlds colliding together. So that, that's, that's a lot of work now, but that's amazing that you're able to, to keep the two separate. Uh, That's really, that's, that's just an amazing amount of work to be able to balance that. So the next question that I have in there, we won't even bother with it because we already covered trolls and bots. Um, So let's just go on. uh, We'll go into the rapid fire questions here. So what's the last good book that you've read? The last good book I read is actually The Happiness Advantage. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's something that, 
you know, so a couple of me and my, some of my friend, girlfriends that I went to college with, they, you know, they said, hey, you know, because I haven't, I'll be honest with you, Robert. I mean, my kids are age five, seven, and nine. I hadn't read in years. <laughs> so I literally just started picking up books this year again. Um, and so that's the last one. And it's just about like, you know, your brain science and being positive and, I think in our world, I will say that it's been very, it's been very beneficial. It's a good one. It's not one of those, you know, I would say where it's got all of this like you know drama. It's probably a lot of just you know based on research. But I, it was very it was an interesting read. Very cool. Binge worthy TV show if you've if you've had time to do any any of that. Uh, so recently I haven't had a lot of time to do it. I'm usually, but if I am, I'm multitasking anyway. Um, but if I think over the years and I mean, you, I, I can't really help it being, you know, a chemist at heart is probably breaking bad. <laughs> you know, we both had non, non-linear career paths. I went a different, you know, I went the legal way, <laughs> but um, breaking bad and probably sense of anarchy and madman. Those are like my top <laughs> Over the year, over the, over the years. <laughs> Mad Men was one that my wife and I went through just a couple of years ago. We like binged right through over COVID the entire, uh, what is it? Seven, eight seasons. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I, can, I agree. <laughs> All right. So what inspires you? Hmm, what inspires me? I would say that, you know, when I think about it, probably I'm really inspired by um, the successes of just other people. I like being around people who's you know, whose walking pace is my, my running pace. They just, you know, they just motivate me. So even if you, know, if I see people who are, you know, running, you know, some people uh, have a friend who just seems like they run a marathon every single day. And so all of a sudden it's like, you know what, I might start running too. Or even in this industry, this field, they're just, you know, these rock stars out there doing great work. And I think uh, certainly just being around them influences me. So um, I would say, yeah, just being around those type of people. Very cool. Um, do you have a personal motto? You know, thinking about this, I, I would probably say, may, not really, but one of the things I noticed that I do say a lot, and I even said it this morning when my kids were fussing at the breakfast table over nothing, which is be kind. Um, okay. I just think be kind, it's simple, and I just, it, it, it just wins. And even in this, you know, in this profession and in, in, in policing and police, you know, community interactions and all of that, so... Don't we need more of that? Yeah, we need more. Be kind, definitely. I like that. All right, so if you could spend a day in someone else's shoes, whose would they be and why? You know, I don't have a person in mind, but I think something that, I don't know, that I would just like to do is just be one of those people that literally just is paid to travel and report back on on these different trips. I mean, I I don't know how I need to apply for that or who I need to see to get recommended for that job. But I mean, Hey, I just want you to pay me to travel. Uh, I'm kind of ready for that. I'm 21 years in. So I'm, I I got a few years before retirement, but I've got some forfeited leave and I'm like, Hmm, that's definitely one of my next, next level career options there. (laughs) There you go. Okay. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be? You know, I recently um, was listening to a couple, it was a retired female GBI agent. You know, we did a little chat with them at the, um, at the GBI for Women's History Month. It was a virtual chat. I saw that. Yeah. 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 And that was, um, that was really fun. And, um, you know, 
she, she had used, she said these words, go for it. And then I heard it, I kept hearing it, go for it, go for it. And I just envisioned go for it on a billboard. And I mean, if you want to throw, you know, throw me up there with some really good makeup and hair, then I'll, I'll take that too. <laughs> but just, just go for it. That that's it. I like that. That's, that's a, Hey, that's definitely a good billboard sign. I, I like that. All right. So if you could turn it back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her? You know what? It's something that I started doing recently and I'm kicking myself because I'm 44 years old and I'm like, why didn't I do this? And that's journaling. I mean, every single day I am, I've got this habit streak thing that I'm doing where I've got like eight different habits, you know, and I'm like how many days in a row? And I'm like on day 96 today of working, working out for at least 20 minutes every day, no white rice, no bread, no red meat, drinking X amount of water and, and journaling. And then there's some other things that I do too. But, um, you know, just writing all this down, because what I've noticed, especially when, you know, you go through like a roller coaster, coaster of emotions, you can kind of assess what went wrong, what, what, what kind of moved you. And then you start seeing trends. I'm like, ooh, every single time this happens, <laughs> you know, this is the response. And so it, it's just been cool over the past few months to kind of go back and read, you know, read my journal and um, just kind of learn for myself and grow. And I'm like, man, if I could have done that you know, I could have been somewhere else. <laughs> and that's a good way to do self-care. And that's really important yeah. in this field is they have some way to self-care and that journaling definitely helps you to go back and look at, Hey, you know, this is what I went through and I'm okay. That's right. All right. So some final thoughts, is there anything else you want to share? I think my biggest takeaway would be if I told you, remember I told you earlier about how I undervalue training. I just, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know, but it's do not stop learning. Um, I personally have listened to all 18 episodes of your podcast. And I, I mean, I've learned, I mean, I've learned so much from, from that when people share, share literature about the field. Um, you know, I, I read that literature, I go to training and the network, being part of that network, I, you know, of course, plug the IACP PIO section, but I mean, just even that, you know, in, you know, in our region, we're, you know, meeting virtually every month. You know, I'm going to Arlington, Texas for the training to see people and you get to just share, you share your best practices and you learn, but more than anything, it's just, you have someone to lean on. I, I won't ever forget when I was dealing with one of my hundred crazy cases during 2020 that a friend from New York actually sent me like some like sweet chocolatey drink, you know, it was like well, Uber, but it was someone in the network in the PIO network because they get it and, um, you know, they understand. And so I say jump in a network. Whichever one you choose, I won't tell you, but um, jump in one and don't and hang on tight. Don't let it go. That's awesome. Uh, so Nellie, how can people best reach out for you? I will put it in the show notes, but how can they okay. reach out, best reach out to you if they want to connect? So many ways. <laughs> I'm it's ridiculous. I'm LinkedIn fanatic. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Those are probably the top Um top ways. And if you put in the show notes, you can find me, but okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. <laughs> we will, we will make sure we put that in the show notes. Um, Nellie, I really appreciate you being on the show today and I appreciate you taking time out three kids that are under, what did you say? 10 or 11? Um, yeah, under, yeah, under 10. <laughs> okay. So I, I had that many years ago. They're all adults now and out of the house for the most part, but I, I feel your pain. I thank you. I thank you so much for coming on the show and taking this time out after a busy work day. If there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. Thank you. And likewise, you take care. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Nellie.
And that was Nellie Miles. Thanks for coming on the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at the PIO podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode. If you are listening on a platform that allows reviews, please give us a review. We appreciate any review, good or bad. It helps us improve on each episode. Until next time, be safe.